shared with the class this morning. We can do all the things we want to do here. God's given us an unbelievable campus in an unbelievable place, unusual. He's given us a vision, the mission and the values to carry that out. But one thing for sure is, if it doesn't start with the man on the cross, it's all for naught. It's Jesus. And you can't walk away from him neutral, as I shared. You can study his prophecies. Look at the history. You do all that. But one thing you cannot do is walk away neutral. You have to make a decision about the man on the cross. And when you do, when someday becomes today, it changes everything. It changes everything. Lord, help us today to be a people of great thankfulness of what you have done in our lives. Lord, I pray, as it's been said many times over the last few weeks, and Robert Morris and his wife described him and how his generosity just pours out, is that when Robert came to know Jesus, he never got over it. Help us be those people, Lord, to love you, to walk with you, to be your fragrance and aroma to a world that so desperately needs it. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have a seat. You know, people come to church for a lot of reasons, right? They come for a host of reasons. But a lot of times people don't come to church hoping to find out what to do with their money. They want to know about their marriage. They want to know about singleness. They want to know about a host of things. Yeah, but money doesn't seem to be tops on that priority. Sometimes, yes. And practically very few people have a strong financial knowledge. I mean, they may have understanding dead a little bit they may understand a lot of different things but but just to have okay what do i do with this it's counseling couples over the years one of the areas that obviously comes up many of you know is around finances the things that people end up laying in bed at night worrying about happens to be around finances so money's a big deal isn't it but what do we do with money? Well, we are firm believers here at Renovation that, and more and more as we're stepping into it, that we can't just tell you what you need to be doing, if you will. We've got to give you some handles. If we believe Scripture is bearing it out, how do we help you move down that? Financial freedom is going to be one of those, as you will see over the next many weeks. I hope you come. If you Even email this week if you want to the office to let us know you're coming. You don't have to. You can show up. <clears throat> We'd love to kind of know... Uh, the crowd size, if you will. But I don't care if you've been doing it a long time. Maybe you need to be sitting at a table with someone. Uh, maybe you're doing great, but somebody needs a mentor. And you need to be sitting at the table and listening and maybe walking with a young couple. I don't know.
I'll admit Jan and I would probably not, it's a couple things I've said over the years. Jan and I would probably never write a book on how to parent. We think we've done all right, but we would never write a book on it. And we would probably never write a book on how to handle your finances, that's for sure. Jan and I have tried a lot of different things. I've been, we've been in entrepreneurs for years, so we've tried a, little, a lot of stuff here and there. And <clears throat> anyway, it is what it is. And, uh, but I call, it, I call it tuition. I don't see it as a failure. I just paid some tuition along the way that I had to, had to just deal with, okay? We've not set aside enough investment in retirement. We know that, but God has that figured out, and he knew our heart. So we figure he will not let us either, one, he will we'll either have the energy to work for a long, long time, <laughs> Or he'll take care of that too. Okay. I ain't worried about it. I don't mean it, I don't mean it in a negligent way. We just know that money's a big deal. But good news. The Bible says a lot about money, doesn't it, Kent? Jeff, you guys are talking about it. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about Scripture. At least 16. By the way, I shared with you that this week I was going to start the parable of the sower. We're actually going to start it next week. And we're going to go for four weeks. As I began, we're going to do the parable of the sower for four Sundays at least. Who you know me well enough, it could go ten. But at least we're going to start with four and see how that goes. But no, really, 16 of the 38 parables, almost half, not quite there if you're doing math at home. But Jesus spoke. The parables were about money and possessions. 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why? I think it's pretty simple. There's a direct correlation between our faith and the way we handle our money. There just is. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21 and verse 24, and most of you know these verses, but for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What you value is what you will live out. It doesn't matter what you say that you value you can write it on the wall you can post it on your website but what you treasure is what you will live out doesn't matter what you say people may profess a lot of things but living it out is different right because it's what you treasure it's what your heart is and he goes on to say in verse 24 no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will Be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Those are not my words. Those would be red letter in some of your Bibles. Jesus. So when it comes to money, we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. We live in the most affluent country during the most affluent time of world history. So we, as people of the United States, need to acknowledge that we have so many things that with the potential to entrap us. Jesus warns us that one of the most dangerous idols we face is money, and I think we should take him serious. From my conviction over the last few months, we are moving, as long as I'm your lead, lead pastor here. I hope afterwards. But we are moving from my deception that I've had for years 
that talking about money in church has to be uncomfortable. That somehow or another there's really no other option where it's dreaded. I want to proclaim to you clearly, I'm done with that. I'm done. God has done a work in my life. We are now moving from the dreaded mindset of fundraising and increased giving to unleashing generous fruit bearers. Our hope is that our overflowing lives are unleashed into this community. Disciples who are Christ image bearers, fruit bearers. That is our hope. Proverbs eleven twenty four. From the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Let me say this, folks. And I shared it with you last week. And I said it with the leadership team. Or team leadership training a while ago. The reason for that is the stingy, their eyes are down and focused here. The reason why it continues to get smaller when it's all about you. When you have your head up and beginning to look at the eyes of Christ, it gets larger and larger. We want a church where people's world is getting larger and larger. Almost every Sunday you come to hear a story of what God has done. (laughs) Because God is increasing their land. God is moving the tent pegs out for their engaged and influential. I've shared with you the last many weeks this thought around describing you and I. When it comes to giving, how would others describe you? One, self-absorbed, fearful, building your own kingdom. When I say fearful, in other words, we're, we're a scarcity. We, we hold on to everything because we're scared. Where It's fear-based. And I realize there are circumstances here today, and I get it, but I just wanted you to listen to me on this part of it. The second one would be a controlling giver. You give with no strings attached. You give with strings attached. You give to manipulate. You may give to your children. You may give to an organization. You give to be known. You give with strings attached. Or you become a faithful giver, and that's what I like to share with you. Jan and I have been for 32 years, and no, no doubt in my mind, we have we read it, we believed it, we've lived it, we've even given above what we would say, to, obviously tithe and those kind of things. But here's the fourth one that I want to share, that I've shared with you over and over, is God is transforming us into more generous people, which is the fourth one. A generous giver. Not just a faithful giver, but a generous giver in all areas, not just finances. That means i got to get my life in order. We're going to try to help you at least in your finances, but we're trying to help you in other things too. Uncommon training is one of those. To have margin in your life of time and talent and things of that nature. See, we believe generosity comes from the heart. And when the heart is changed, generosity has to follow. Five traits of the generous spirit that I shared with you a few weeks ago. And you can, again, uh, you could add some, subtract some. But I believe these are, these are legit. Generous is to discover your design for generosity. In other words, you were created in the image of God. 
You were created in the image of God. Guess what? We serve a generous God. Scripture bears that out. So we, if we're image bearers of him, then we don't have any choice except to be that, right? Humble and empathetic. No strings attached. Intentional. We have designed our lives from margin in all areas, time, talent, and treasure. We've designed our lives to be able to give it away. And then we ask God for the eyesight and the hearing and the hands and the feet, the spiritual hands and eyes and feet to go where he wants us to go and see what he wants us to see and hear what he wants us to hear. Then we're compelled. We can't help it. Paul says, by the love of Christ, I am compelled. And he goes on in that passage of Scripture in Corinthians. He said, we are being called as ministers, the ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation. We are to be helping this community and everywhere we go to be reconciled back to God and reconciled back to each other. We're the only ones that really have the power. I'm not talking about renovation church. I'm talking about the church. Nobody else has the power. That we have because it's built into the ministry we've been given. Again, I've said before, if you're wondering what your ministry is, I can tell you one of them. I'll tell you the umbrella. It's reconciliation. It always is. And the last one is this. You're grateful. A changed and transformed heart is always grateful. And I've said this, if you know people who are grateful and you genuinely know they're grateful, and I said, if I could have one word that describes me, I hope it's grateful. Because if I'm grateful, I'm a hard worker. If I'm grateful, I'm a man of integrity because I wouldn't want to ever, if I'm grateful, it, all those other things fall underneath it. Because I'm, going to, because I'm most of all grateful to what Christ has done in my life. And I'm going to try to do everything I can from my, on my end of it and let him do what he needs to do on his end of it to allow him to change me. To become like him. Because I'm so grateful. Back to the statement I said earlier. Of Robert Morris. And I believe this with all my heart. I came to know Jesus on December 13th, 1986. And I still haven't got over it. I hope that's where you're living. Jesus says in Luke 8. 38. Or Luke 6, 38. Excuse me. Given it will be given. He's talking about grace and forgiveness here, but I think it applies. Given it will be given, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now think about that. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As I shared with you the parable of the sower, Jesus says in there, and we'll come to it next week, Jesus says the way you hear it, the way you measure it and respond to it is the measure that it works in your life. We measure everything. When I hear something, when I read the word, when I hear something preached, when I hear something advertised even, when I hear, I measure it. I measure it. What am I going to do with that?
When people say, I can't do that, well, that's your measurement. See, we draw boundaries around ourselves and our potential all the time because we measure it. First, it's a safe place, we feel like, and even though it's not, it's bondage, but it's a safe place. If I can draw enough lines and I can measure it, I can always... I love what Robert Moore said, and I I, I may have already said it again today. I apologize if I've already said it once. But he says, I wasn't smart enough to argue with the Bible. See, Jan and I, around the thought of tithing, it was one of our first primary ways that we initially showed God that he was first. Early on in our faith, that was our step by tithing to say, I don't understand all the other, I understand this, I can't argue with it, I see it, I see it in Malachi, I see Jesus saying you should do it, but don't forget these things and love, mercy and justice, don't forget those, I see it there, I can't argue with that. So it was one of my primary ways, Jan and I primary ways of putting him first. Now, Hopefully, we've done him in a host of other ways. But that was one of our first primary ways. <laughs> the only deceiving part about the tithing that I struggled with was this. And it really wasn't deceiving because nobody said it. It just, I was under assumption that everybody else was tithing. Second thing I had to work through as a Christian, young Christian. One was giving up 10%. Yes, 10%. 10%. Let me make sure you understand this. If I make $2,000, $200, the first $200 before, and in 1986, I didn't even have to worry about this, before cell phone. <laughs> Before $180 cable and internet, guess what? Before Uncle Sam. Just make sure you don't miss it over here. (laughs) That's what that means. That's what we believe it means. It's pre tax not post-tax, it's not post-deduction, it's not all these other places, I've been doing this for 32 years, I was a layman for six years beforehand, so if you start going, hey, I did this way before I was on staff, but I never thought I'd be on staff, so you can take that and whatever, <laughs> okay, that thought, it's before, God first, here was my struggle as a young believer though, Okay, I had to put God first before everything, that first 10%, everything, and trust him to redeem the other 90. A hundred in my hands is not near what the 90 in my hands and 10 in God, and it's above 10, believe me. My biggest struggle was this, not to give up the first 10%, it was the fact that people were attending that church and had been for a long time that weren't doing anything. 
as a young believer who had come from a long ways away from God, didn't even know what the first book of the Bible was, I'm looking at this going, are you kidding me? Who would ever join an organization where 1.8% of the people carry the load? Who would ever do that? Generous believers do all the time. That's who does it. Obedient, because God told me, this is not between you and them, it's between me and you. It has nothing to do with them. None whatsoever. It's between me and you. So I got rid of that a long time ago. I'd, I would have never got to pastoring if I'd have had an issue with, struggle with that. <laughs> I'd have given that up a long time ago. Are we having fun yet? I need a drink. Just... It is mixed today, just so you know. Got a liquid IV in it. Anyway, shout out. <laughs> I expect an endorsement check on that, so just in case anybody asks. See, how you measure the word makes a huge difference in how you respond. For instance, during this series, you may have heard give to get. I heard give to give. You may have heard scam, manipulation. I heard freedom. You may have heard obligation. I heard grateful. What you did not hear was sow a seed of a thousand and get ten thousand. You just did not hear that. What you heard was God first. And what's interesting about this is most of us would say, I want God first in my marriage. Most of us would say, I want God first in my singleness. I want God first in my business. I want God first. But somehow or another, when it comes to finances, we somehow or another throw up a wall. It's pretty interesting. God first. When God is first, everything else falls in order. But please hear me. Tithing alone doesn't make you intimate with God in itself. But I am convinced you will never have an intimate relationship with God without tithing and being generous. I'll say this. No one, and I mean no one, has influence on my life that does not tithe. I'm not saying because you tithe, you have influence on my life. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if uh, Malachi says, if you rob God of the tithe, this is God speaking, you're robbing me. He also says in Malachi 3, 6, I think it is, I am a God that never changes. Why would I want to attach, just like Robert talked about guys dating his daughter, why would I attach myself that has influence on me from people who are robbing God? You take it up with him. I love what Robert Moore says about Malachi 
because people want to say, well, the tithe of the Old Testament, you know, the New Testament. I, Robert Moore says, God, why didn't you just put Malachi in the New Testament? That way people, it would have, it would have caused a lot of this confusion. No, Malachi, I mean, you don't know, is the last book of the Old Testament as it's worded there. And, then, and so and people go, well, it was just law. How many of you today think the law of adultery has been abolished? Free. What about stealing? Was that abolished? Did the law go, oh, it's okay now? Matter of fact, when I look at Scripture, grace, if we're living under grace, grace always goes above the law. (laughs) Do not murder your brother. No, grace says do not have hate in your heart for your brother. Wow, okay. Oh, law says do not commit adultery. Grace says do not have lust in your heart. Grace always goes above the law. So if you want to live by grace, knock yourself out. Because tithe is only the getting in point, if you will, if that's the case. That's only the ground floor. If if that's the case, you're just getting in. But man, you're going to get way above that because grace always goes above the law. If that's how you want to compute that. But when God is first... It frees him up to bless me however he sees fit. But it always, it always requires faith. That's why so many or so few Christians experience it. They are capped. And let me say this, considering generosity. I am not saying, do not hear what I'm not saying. So you're saying if I start giving and tithing, I won't have struggles in life? That is not what I'm saying. Jen and I have given for 32 years. We both had cancer. She's had breast cancer. I've had skin cancer. We've had deep loss, deep heartache. The times we just didn't know how we would ever get through. Are you kidding me? I didn't just, but God didn't just ask me to have faith. He asked me to be faithful, which is the only way you can interpret faith. My brother-in-law shared with us, we were, I was asking him at Christmas, I mean at Thanksgiving, my brother-in-law, Rusty, about Robert Morris, because I knew he lived, lives in, the, in northeast Texas, and I know Gateway Church is around the Dallas area, and asked him what he knew about him and thought well and got some friends who attend Gateway Church. And he began to tell us, though, that just a few months in 2017, somewhere in 2017, somewhere in 2017, he and Robin began, God did a work in their life, and they began to tithe. Now, he's 50-something years old. And out of that, God began to do a work in their life as a marriage. It was unbelievable what started to happen in their marriage that they got on the same page and they began to, God began to do miracles. What they didn't know was that October 1st, 2017, their son, who was in Iraq for three weeks, would be killed in the line of duty. My nephew, Alex, was hit by an IED. Never thought we'd be a part of a 
even processing this out. That ring at the door they got literally at midnight to tell them their son had been killed, 20-year-old son. But Rusty sat there in our living room, and Jan will tell you, with tears rolling down his face, saying he and Robin can trace it back. They have been witnesses now, just so you know. They have been witnesses for the last year and a half, year and a half for the kingdom. And people keep asking, how are you able to handle this so well? He says he traces it back to the commitment he and Robin made to tithe of all things. Because God got them on the same page and they had to figure out where we headed, what's our, what do we desire the most in life. They had to line all those things up. And when this happened, if that had not, happened, if that had not been in place, when Alice got killed, it would have blown their marriage up and destroyed it. You can do with what I'm telling you what you want to. I see the Oslins here, and I know Joy raised those three kids at times with hardly anything. But what she didn't stop doing was tithing. And most of you may not know, Joy sits here many Sundays. Joel stands there many Sundays, her son. Mel stands here, her daughter. And Josiah stands here. Honor God first. It puts everything else in order. Brian Houston says this. Faithfulness is holding on to your purpose and trusting in God's goodness in the midst of all the peaks, the celebrations and mountaintops, as well as the trials, temptations, and tragedies as life throws at you. This is how you grow grounded in grace. Don't hear, do that and your life's going to, you're going to get all these things. I don't know how it's coming, baby. I don't know how God's going to prosper you. And I don't know how God's going to bless you. Your influence may increase at an exponential rate that you have no idea. It may be a tangible thing, but I'm going to tell you this. If it's ever a material, tangible thing, it's always got eternal strings attached to it. Always. There's a higher purpose always. It may be your children. Like I said last week, your tires may last longer on your vehicle. I don't know how it all works. You know, we prayed over Allie's car till it died. We traded Allie's car in, which it did die. But the guy, the guy we traded it into, he gave us $200 for it. How about that? <clears throat> but he said... He said, I have never seen a Chevrolet Cobalt go over 100,000 miles. This is a miracle you got 180,000 miles out of it. <laughs> he wasn't a believer, okay? This wasn't a, a Bible a Sunday school lesson or anything. Or <laughs> I don't know. But I know he will. Because he loves you. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes.
They dwell in the parched places of the desert and salt land where no one lives. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence literally means their refuge and security is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What, would, what kind of church would that be? If we were a generous church, a tithing church, we'd never have any special offerings, right? <clears throat> but what would God do? There would never be a time where there's not fruit. <clears throat> you just come to church on Sunday and go, what were we going to expect this week? What life is going to be changed? Who's going to be sanctified? Who's going to be saved? What are we going to be talking about years from now? With an anticipation of a generous God working with a generous people. And you may go walk out of here today going, I don't believe in the tithe. Let me just say this to you. You may argue that away, but one thing you can't argue away is, is that we serve a God of generosity. You can't argue that away. The person of generosity, it not only touches their finances, but every area of their life. Our goal here is to help people follow Jesus. When it comes to stewardship, yes, it includes money. But also includes how they use their time, their talents, their experiences, their spiritual gifts, their houses, their cars, their retirement. I think generous people seem to get more time to do things. Generous people increase their talents. Generous people, I think, increase their spiritual gifts that are revealed. I really do. If you know the renovation story, and you've only started coming here, and I shared this with the leadership team, if you don't know our story, you might come in this first month of January of 2019 and go, all these people talk about is giving. Well, you had not heard our other five years. It's been about you living the whole life, whole life generosity through the uncommon training. We're trying to help you get there. We're trying to help you live into everything God has called you from experiences to spiritual gifts to strength finders to whatever you want to take from your personality, all those kind of things. We believe we, we worked on that first before we started asking anything along this line. And by the way, God has blessed us financially, so I'm not struggling even with that conversation. I'm going to say this, though. God needs to set you free, and here's the deal. I realize we can help you in all those other areas, but if we don't have you, and God, most of all, doesn't have you in your finances, we'll never get all that God has for you. We just never will. And I realize that. So God has convicted me, don't back away from this. Now, for some of you in here today, I realize you may have come just going... Well, you know, Kurt, it was easy at one time tithing. When I made fifty dollars, you know, I could tithe ten, or I made five hundred, I could tithe fifty, or I made then I made five thousand. Now, and I heard this somewhere along the way. This pastor told this guy who was going through that, and he said, "You know what?" And he said, "Pastor, will you pray for me?" And I kind of took his prayer in this sense: either I'll pray that God will get a hold of your heart, that you're grateful and want to give of that. Or God will reduce your salary and income. 
to the point where you're grateful again. <laughs> Which prayer do you want? <laughs> I'll pray for you. Sure, God has given you've got a you've got a hand out there today. Man, God has given us opportunities to bless his people, people that are coming on this campus. Be sure you look at this today. Don't ignore it. Don't walk away from it. Don't just throw it in the trash. Won't you pray over it this week? And, and if God is leading you into some of these, maybe for a season you can help in some of these areas. I tell people all the time, there are certain places I can, I can work short term without a passion or gifting, but not long term. <laughs> but I may need to stand in the gap in some of these places that we need to get over the hump. I'm going to ask you to take this and pray over it. and Don't shy away from it and say, Lord, how can I help what's going on here at Renovation and begin to look through that? And you may not go, well, I like that and that. Maybe it's something you don't like. I mean, we need people to help clean a couple of hours a month. We need people in the children's department. We need people in, this, our, in what God is doing through our schools. We need people in a lot of different areas, facilities, uh, through in here and sound and, and things, or, or, or the worship team and those kind of things. We need you to step into that. But I said this to the, to, the, to the team this morning. I want to be a part of church where people expect something from me. I can't imagine being part, wasting my time. And I know this is going to come out wrong. So Jan's going to, Jan will let me know later that it's going to come out wrong. <laughs> wasting my time of being with a group of people who don't expect anything out of me. That's a head scratcher to me. Because that means I'm only coming for me. <laughs> oh, well, do with that what you wish. <laughs> there is no question, folks. We have financial needs here at Renovation. Even with it debt-free. We have a campus that should have 600 people in it, at least 500 sitting here, that it's 190. But it still costs us the same on the insurance. Still costs us the same on landscaping. Still costs us the same as heat and air. Still costs us the same. We need renovations on this campus. You go, well, look in here. But let me tell you, we get, I believe God is doing a work on this campus, bringing people to us and forcing us to do something. <laughs> going, you're going to do something about this. Or I'm going to give it to somebody else. <laughs> he is forcing people on us. Not necessarily in here, but from our community. And it's awesome. And I believe this, and this sounds, this is where Jan would get on to me. I'm convinced God is either going to build his church here on 24th Street through us, and he'll provide the financial resources. He needs to accomplish his work, or he will have those of us who are committed to doing those kind of things somewhere else. Because I can guarantee you, we're, Jane and I and our family is committed to that. I believe God has given us some inroads into this community. Through our schools. Through our gymnasium. Through our campus as it presents itself as unusual. And what I mean by that, not unusual as in, it's just going to be unusual because of the anointing of God on it. It's what it needs to be unusual about. Hopefully the other things, and I think I heard Dr. Dan say this before, you know, Scripture does say that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. The reality is man does look at the outside first. 
So how we present ourselves in this community that we've been planted is critical. It just is. It may not be everywhere else, but in this community, it does matter. But the commitment to offer the life of the uncommon and a path to live it out. And folks, that's not just the fact that we'll help other people live that out. It's the fact that you will be leaving here. We can do all the things here on Sunday morning to give the best conditions for the presence of God to be felt and realized. But here's the deal. If we're ever going to make an unbelievable impact in this community, it is you leaving here as fruit-bearing disciples of Christ that will make the ultimate difference. That's it. And we're going to try to give the best conditions through training and those type of things for that to happen. God first. God first. So you received this morning a card. If you'd take that out, I want to ask everyone to look at it. Malachi 3, 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to store it. Six-month challenge. If you do not currently return the tithe, and yes, I said return, the first 10% of your income, we challenge you to test God in this to over the next six months. If you honor God by beginning to tithe for the next six months and conclude that it was a mistake, feel free to request a refund in August and we will give it all back. And we mean it. We mean it. We want you to be free. We just want you to be free. And if this helps you, we're not in a fundraising business. Please. I shared this morning... I'll come back to this, an email that I got this week. You know it's an email because I printed it off. Okay. Talking about the training of Uncommon, one of our young ladies in her mid-20s. Said, going through Uncommon in the spring of 2017 was the most beneficial and healing season of my life. I was challenged and forced to process through disappointments, big and small. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that working through the activities, diving into the conversation and listening to the stories changed me for the better. I know that my life has been changed because of it. We are want to be a part of the life-changing business. And one thing, again, that God has convicted me of is if we don't challenge you in this, we are not helping you. And we're trying to give you a pathway to live it out. Let me say this, though, just as a, lack of a better way, a disclaimer, okay? Only those who are beginning to return the tithe at this time does this refund apply to Without fear or anything, I just say that. <laughs> we, but I will say this we must have the ability to track it. Give us that much grace. So either you need to do it online by check or by using one of our tie down envelopes and putting your name on it. You got to be fair to us on that. You got to help us with that, okay? And I believe God is going to, I'm not worried about. Uh, 
that part of it. I'll say this. Then, the other thing I'd ask you to do is tear this off. If you're going to, and I, I would just say, I want to hear it tearing. I just want to hear it tearing across the room. Please help me tear, tear it. If you've got one, just tear it. Just a great sound. You don't have to put it in a bucket. The last thing is this. There's buckets in the back. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Again, first box. I want to trust God by beginning to tithe 10% of all my income. That's the first box. We'll understand that. I want to trust God by increase, increasing my giving by a certain percent. Okay? But let me give you a third category. If we can put the slide up there about, again, of the special projects. If you just want to come to me and talk to me about something, we have that, some of the special projects. I don't know if we have that or not. Yeah, some things that God, I believe, is needing to do on this campus for us to be everything he's called us to be. I don't have all the dollar figures or anything along that line at this point, but if you want to come and sit down with me and talk to me about these things, you can put that on the back of this. The other thing I would say, if you want to do this for accountability and you want to put your name on it, that's fine. You can write it on the back or on the front, but you're not required to do that. By no means are you required to do that. For this, to, for this to work. But we will be able to pick up if someone hasn't been. We'll probably be able to tell. We will have to try to identify it somehow or another, right? So trust us on that. Okay? But if I would, I'm going to ask this. If everybody would drop something in the bucket, even if it has nothing on it. <clears throat> just everybody drop it in there. That's all. If you decide, you know what? Can't do it. Not doing it. God is up to something. And uh, we just want you in on it. And I realize, and I've said this before, you may have come here today going, I don't believe in the tithe. I don't believe in it. Okay. But the bigger thing is, you may have come here today and go, I don't know if I believe in the mission, vision, and values of Renovation Church. That's okay, too. What I will ask you to do, though, is go to a church where you can believe in the mission, vision, and values and invest your time, talent, and treasure because there's freedom there. That's what I believe. Or the rest of it doesn't make sense to me, personally. It just doesn't make sense. And after 32 years of giving, I have never talked to or ever been conversation where anybody ever regretted beginning to tithe. That also continued to be transformed. Oh, I know a lot of people who quit tithing. I'm talking about those who continue to be transformed. Not only not regretted it, I believe they become generous. Because there's really no other option. (laughs) Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and we'll just, I'm just going to pray, but, and just, as we sing good grace as we leave today, you can leave as, as they begin to sing. If you want to stand, you can do that and say, 
hope you stick around. I hope you just drop something in the bucket. But I hope more than anything else you pray about it. God has, I, I, I will say this. I think, it's, I, think I read the statistics, 1.8% of all Christians. I think it was tithing. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Forgive me if I've got that statistic wrong. It's way higher than that at renovation. So I don't want to mislead you. But again, this is not about fundraising. It's about disciple making. God says to test him. Okay. I think it's the only place he says that, I think. I hope you'll stay for dinner on the ground. Some of your first step of faith will be sitting around tables with someone you've never met before. For some of you, as we've used the illustration of the ladder... Beginning to put God first in your giving may be your first significant faith step ever. It may be. I don't know. Lord, thank you right now. Thank you for prompting us to do this series. Lord, I am, you know my heart in this and our leadership's heart. We'll let you do your work as you see fit. But Lord, I pray today That in whatever we're doing, we're seeking first you. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for our time together down on the ground. May that in itself be a little reflection of what heaven may look like someday. (laughs) Eating all kinds of different people from all kinds of social backgrounds, from income, all kinds of, just all kinds of, just all together in community. Thank you for it, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing. You can leave. You can go on out. Some of you I know are doing on the grounds, folks, but you can...